The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest taking your calls on everything from hydrangeas, gooseberries and compost, of course. We also got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, as well as plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Eileen from Canvey. Good morning. Morning. Um, I've got a problem, big big time. Um, I've got a hydrangea, and it's enormous. And we've only we only found it earlier last well later last week. It was smothered, absolutely smothered in scale. My husband went straight out, bought some stuff, and he's he's used nearly, and it is enormous, believe me. And he smothered it. I know you. I've asked you this question about scale about two years ago. So will that that won't do, do the damage to the plant, will it? I think it has to be really extreme to uh, do it. So the fact you've treated it. Um, should reduce it, but you're probably going to find you need to spray it again probably a week, ten days after the first oh, time. we've done it twice. We've, oh, yeah. How far apart? Uh, well, I can't get in there. It's bigger than no, me. No, 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 no. Between the first and the second. Leg oh, for time. a lot. What, a week, two weeks apart? Oh, sorry, I thought you meant um, <laughs> how much on the bush. No, no. Uh, no, um, seven days. Right, just keep an eye because sometimes the cycle of these bugs, you, you kill what's there, but there's eggs and there's other bits ready to come out after. So that second spray just sort of nips those ones in the bud before they get going. If it's really bad, Dave, is it worth when, when flowers have finished of cutting some of that older wood out that's really yeah. infected? Yeah, just to open it up and. The, Hydrangeas make a perfect habitat to hide in and breed, and because it's all close down the bottom, isn't yeah, it? and that lovely watery stem that they can just attach onto and, and suck all the juice out. So, you know, if it's a very big plant, it, it might be worth just when it's flowered, just open it up, take out the flowering stems or anything really old, and just get a bit of air into there, and you can probably treat it a bit better. I won't lose the flowers for next year, though. No, if you I? do it after it's flowered, and you'll just lose some, maybe yeah. some, but not massively. No. If you do, if you don't prune them all down, just prune half of them down. And as yeah, Dave said, it's, open it's it up. Been, it's a lace cap. It's that's beautiful. Right. Oh, that's yeah. Just that's take, all right. Just take the oldest ones out and, and open it up a bit. And, and give this another dosing of the stuff. Keep an eye. I think you've done two. Yeah, you've done too, so keep an eye out, and if you see, see them reappearing, the problem is they don't just drop off, do they? They stay there when they're dead, so <laughs> you've got to see if they're reappearing oh, further no, up the they're plant. Oh, like powdery. Yeah, yeah, and then give it another go if you need to, but you've probably done enough. Okay. Okay, thanks very much. That's uh, okay, that's Eileen in Canby. She's uh, giving us a call about uh, hydrangea scale. Major problems. It's that time it? of year again, oh, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> uh, Vivian Stanford La Hope, uh, we're talking blueberry bushes. Yes, about six weeks ago, I noticed that the leaves on my blueberry bushes were all gone brown and crinkled. And they all, to be honest, I thought they'd been accidentally called with weed killer. Uh huh. the way they've wiggled up. But I went out there, I haven't been out to get out to see them for a few weeks because I've not been very well. I got out there yesterday 
they've all burst back into gravelly green leaves. <laughs> are, they in con- the are they in containers? <clears throat> are they growing in containers? Yes. You let them dry out? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So, right, okie dokie. And then you pan so it some water and right fed them. Now, <laughs> will, they, will they still flower? I'm just thinking, do, yeah. They, yeah, they flower about now, so you should be able to get some flour and some fruit out fruit. of them still. Oh, lovely. Okay, then. Just don't, don't forget to water them. No, yeah. I won't. Right. Don't. Okay. You're not allowed to. No, all right. <laughs> and okay. don't forget, they do like a bit of feed as well. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. That's Bye. all right. That's uh, from Stanford La Hope. We have a line free at the moment on 0800 111 And we go to Angie from South End, sunny South End. Is that right, Angie? Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, morning, gentlemen. Hi. Um, I have a query on my uh, compost bins. Yep. Um. You know, I, I put all my um, uh, raw vegetables and uh, grass cuttings and newspaper cuttings and everything in there, but I, I um, find lots of ants in there. <laughs> yeah. Is that good, bad or otherwise? Well, they're not going to do any harm to the compost. They'll probably move it around a bit for you, but um, it, it is just powerful, of course. I think if you're putting uh, raw vegetables and things like that, Ants will go wherever it's easy to go, so I wouldn't worry. They're, they're not doing any harm, um, certainly in compost, um, but it's just what happens. Okay, so you are supposed to put raw, like, uh, potato peelings, cabbage yep. leaves and such oh, yeah. like in there, aren't you? Yeah, uh, if you can mix it up. Peelings. And, and it's quite important this time of year when it does dry out a little bit is water, you know, damp compost composts better and quicker than dry compost. Yeah, I do lots of water in there, but it dries ever so quick. Yeah, that does. But it mm. just helps, and, and sometimes if it's a bit light and fluffy, you know, a bit of carpet or something on the top to add a bit of weight, and it holds the moisture in a bit better. Oh, all right. I will, I will, I will try and do that then. Okay. All right. Anything else I should do to improve the quality of the compost? If it's too dry, it's worth dampening it yeah, a bit, isn't it? Yeah, we said it, give it a good drink and the, the carpet, it's like a... It does, holds it in. It holds it in. The better the compost, the more versatile the stuff that's in, bits that are in it. So, if, you know, eggshells, um, even shredded newspaper and things like that add different elements when they're composted down. But, um, you know, it's all really about using what you've got as waste and, and turning it into something useful. Yeah, no, I've got two, so lovely. Thank you ever so all much. Right. Thank you. Okay, that's fine. We're talking compost bins there, and we now go to Joan in East Tilbury. Is that right, Joan? It's Joanne. Sorry, Joanne. (laughs) Hello, Joanne. That's all right. Um, I need some advice. I've just bought a planter, um, which I wanted to know whether I could put a climbing rose in it to climb up some trellis. And um, I'm getting conflicting advice that you can't put a climbing rose in a plant, so it should go in the ground. Why not? Who's telling you those? Who's telling you pork is? Eh? Depends how big it is, really. <laughs> it, yes, it's all the, right. The first thing is you can. I mean, Dave, you can plant anything in a container. Yes. Oak trees. Yeah. Anything you but, can plant in a container, but <laughs> the container has to be big enough. Yes. So if you were planting, if you were advising someone down at the garden centre yeah. to plant a climbing rose in a container, mm-hmm. the answer is yes, isn't yeah. it? What would you advise them? I would for say Joe? you want something that is at least 18 inches plus and two probably foot-ish. yeah, 18 or two foot. Something that's going to hold around about 30 plus litres of compost. 
Okay. And is there any particular height of climber I should look at? Because I've looked at so many roses and some are five foot, six foot, <laughs> some are twelve foot. Well, I've, I've, I've just planted a couple in the garden uh, for some small obelisks, and they look like they're doing really well. And they're, they're actually patio climbers. So if you only want to oh, plant to go idea. up the side of a, an arch or something like that, um, they, they'll get to five, six foot. But they flower top to bottom, they repeat flower, and, and they're a bit more controllable. Sometimes, you know, traditional climbing roses and ramblers are, are too big for what you're going to put them onto, and they end up wrecking right. it, or, you you know, it's a lot of work. So some of the patio climbers are, are, are well worth a look. Okay. And any particular rose you would suggest with um, a lovely smell that I could well, possibly... Have the patio ones got much perfume? Yeah, yeah a lot they, of them they do, yeah. I think I've got one called Gloriana, which is a, a really okay. bright pink. But, you know, it's, Did you it, mention the soil as well? Yeah, uh, John Lennon's soil, yeah. yeah. Number three, so a soil-based compost. I think that's more important than the rose variety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But really, you know, it's one of those things, roses, isn't it? What you like, I like, and Ken might like are yeah. probably three different roses, but... Take a look at what you okay. what you fancy. All right, thank you very much. That's the present. Thank you, Joanne. And she's from East Tilbury. Uh, just coming back to somebody who wrote to me, Eileen, Eileen, who is it? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's get to Eileen Wyman. Now, you sent me an email, and I did have a look at it, and we couldn't quite understand what the picture was and in fact uh, Christine Lavelle who was in last week she said I'll tell you what I'll go away with that picture and I'll work it out and in fact it's Digitalis Lutea which is a yellow yeah you yeah, don't see it very that. often do you that no, one no it's a little bit of a different structure to the normal which is why we didn't recognise <laughs> it because it's slightly smaller, isn't it? It's, it's a smaller, almost a bit for Bascomy as well. It's which bit... is what, one of the things we thought yeah. that we looked for Bascom <laughs> and it didn't come up no. the right thing. No. So they are. That's digitised Lutea and that is for Eileen Wyman. So they are. We do try and sort you out. She also found that in another garden that I've, I've been looking at, there's a little tiny what I thought was an orchid, and she's found out that. Yes, we discussed it, <laughs> and it is an orchid, and it's just growing at the bottom of a rose tree. Yeah. And I kept on thinking, what's blooming weed keep coming up there? And it's, in fact, it's a, a little wild bayman or something, orchid, a tiny one. Now let's look at plants of the week. Now I've gone for passionflower or passiflora. Actually, if you look at the whole family, there's 550 varieties. Not that we get involved with many of those. Some even are shrub-like, but the ones we know, of course, are those climbers with tendrils. They're showy. They've got this fantastic flower. Um, it's, it's open. It's got a beautiful corona in purples and creamy whites. Uh, they have a yellow fruit, not poisonous, but honestly not worth eating either. That's the passiflora, the passion flower as we know it. That's the passion flower. Remember that. How do you actually um, get them to grow? Well, you can take cuttings in the spring, uh, just remove the bottom two, th uh, two leaves off a short stem and pop it into a propagator and that'll work really well. You can let them seed. They self-seed quite easily, but they then won't flower for up to eight to ten years. Right. You remember that these plants come from Mexico, South America, and there are some cooler varieties, which are the ones we grow, um, from the Andes. And they arrived in the UK in Victorian times. The edible one, of course, is edula. That's Passiflora edula. 
um, extensively grown in South America and South Africa, small pink fruits, and are mainly juiced. Uh, although some of those, I said, cooler varieties of edula are grown in the UK in sunny spots. Um, the passion fruit is supposed to have a sedative effect, but not very proved, and there's sort of doubts about it, but often used for anxiety. They can suffer with virus and yellow distortion of the leaves, uh, get, a, get aphid, of course, and they can even get fusarium wilt. However, are they worth growing? Yes, they are. And I'll tell you why they're worth growing, because they give you lots and lots of colour from July right through to October. They do like full sun. They like a gritty, free-draining soil. Um, and, you know, well worth growing. So they are passionflower, passiflora. If you want the edible one, it's edula. If not, just look out for a lovely flowering plant. You can see them in garden centres at nurseries this time of the year and enjoy them. Let's go back to the phones right now and we will be talking to Sid from Thundersley about, is it uh, camellias we're talking, Sid? Yes, uh, it's two camellias in terracotta pots which are about 30 inches diameter by 30 inches high. The plants are about three feet high, maybe a little bit more, three foot six. Uh, they appear to be dying. The leaves are, are going yellow. The ends of the stems tend to be dying. I wonder if I can cut them back and it might rejuvenate them. Um, I would have a look at the ends of them stems first before you cut them off. Um, I mean, they should be putting on some new growth now. You know, the camellias yeah. soon after flowering do come into growth. And they do drop leaf. And they do they? drop leaf when they do that. But if the tips themselves are, are distorted or look look scorched, there may be some aphid or bugs in the tips of the leaf, uh, you know, causing that damage. So when the leaves open, it accentuates it more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you certainly can give it a prune, give it a good feed with an ericaceous feed, um, keep the water going because those pots sound nice and big but they're big plants as well so we'll dry out could could they have dried out Sid at all do you think because um, yeah, I think up until now we, have, have, we haven't had much rain yeah. up until well we had rain but now it's stopped again and yeah. people people forget where what's yeah. going on I think I was a bit careless actually with the watering <laughs> but the other thing I have done I don't know if this is affecting when I've been doing my other trees and shrubs with I've used a seaweed um, yeah. feed and it did say on the container to spray the leaves, and I, I've done that, and I thought, I wonder if that's had an adverse effect on that. Oh, help, it, it? it will help apart from you can get the, the seaweed uh, feed, you can get it in the brown bottle, which is general yeah. use, and you can get it in a blue bottle, which is um, acid. for acid-loving plants like camellias. Um, so there may be, if you're using the brown one, some reaction to it, but it wouldn't normally, be dramatic. Not would it? dramatic. Normally, distortion in the in the tip is insects, you know, pest disease in there doing it, um, uh, and it, it just looks worse when it f starts to open. Yeah. So, uh, just uh, to go back to the original question, mm -hmm. I just cut back the what appears to be the dead bit on the no, the no, no. Dave said, oh, don't wait no. and see oh, what don't. happens. Yeah, yeah. So I give see. it a good acid feed through the give the give the plant pot a really good soak with an acid feed in it, yeah. and it should induce some new growth. Yeah. What, do, what okay, doesn't regrow, you. you can prune yeah. out, 
and then just tidy up the tips if you need to. Okay, lovely. Thanks for your help. All right. Okay. That's Sid in Thundersley with his camellia, which uh, a lot of people have let stuff dry out because although it's been dull and horrible and cold, yeah. uh, not a lot of rain. And also containers do not get much water. When we've had the rain, especially if you've got larger plants in it, that, like umbrellas, and divert it away from the pot rather than in the pot. Talking to Terry in Rumwell. Terry, what you got for us today? Good morning. Two two questions. The, the first one, I know we've run a beans, you always take the tips out. I've never grown the little green beans before. Do you do the same with those? The French climbing French beans? Yeah. You can. To be honest, I never never bother, you bother taking them out. I just okay. I'll just make sure I have longer canes next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, they're up six canes, canes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you get a big old sort of top knot at the top where they, they get together, love. you might want to slow that down a bit. But um, right. I, I tend to just let them go as long as you keep them well watered, keep the feed going. Plants will produce more than than you think. But yeah, right. if it means that things going to fall over because you've got a, a sail sticking out the top, um, give them a trim up. But no need to, just keep them fruiting. Right, that's the first one. The second one is, I must get my pronunciation right as I, of this as I told <laughs> the young lady. Sequestrated iron. Sequestrated, yep. Sequestrated iron, iron, yeah. I use that for you killing moss. Mm-hmm. Can I put that round my hydrangea and turn it from pink to blue? You'd have to use a lot of it, it's strength-wise, to Why kill moss. Sequestered iron is actually a feed. Why do you use that on your on your moss? Well, it kills it. <laughs> I know, but it, you're using a feed. Is it a sequestered iron feed that you're using? Sequestrated iron. Sequestrated yeah. iron. Or sequestered iron. Yeah. I call it sequestrated, not what I told the young lady. <laughs> it, must be di- it must be different then, mustn't it? Yeah. It's not, it's it's not the feed. It's a green powder. Ah, it's not the feed then. No, is it? no, I wouldn't. Okay, no. no, I wouldn't. Without really seeing the pack, the bottle, and what it is. Um, I get it loose from my, well, a local horticultural society. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, it might I do. It should work in <laughs> theory. It? I've never known it to be used to kill moss, but perhaps if you do it strong enough. I mean, I killed a lovely patch of grass with some nitrogen feed when I dropped it. Um, hey, that's a moss a tree. They don't like it. No, and it doesn't. Change the colour of the path or anything. It just gets rid of it. It just gets rid of the moss out of the lawn. Hmm. Oh, out of the lawn, not on the paths. You're not doing it on paths or anywhere. No, because it turns it red. Yeah. Ah, that's what I was. I thought you were getting it off paths. That's what I was worried no, about. No, no, yes. no. You use it on the ah, lawn. Right. The answer is yes. In theory, you could use it yeah, around a hydrator. It's just getting the dilution rates. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't want to go too heavy-handed. Spring lump. Oh, there's a big iron lump in there about the size of like, the size of your fist. I was just going to let it there and let it wash in on its no, own. I'll, no, I would sprinkle a little bit. Hit it with a hammer. <laughs> break it up and even mix it with a bit of water, um, warm water, and then just let it cool down and apply it that way. Okay. Thank you, right. thank God I've pronounced it correct. That's Enough no for us to roughly know what you're talking yes, about anyway. we're guessing. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, Terry, thank you very thank much you indeed very for much. your call. That's an interesting one. You mm. may, may as well you can get down your horticultural society. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in plastic bags. Yeah, in plastic bags. <laughs> Irene in Colchester, what you got for us, Irene? Good morning, I've got a dog rose and we've had it many years. This year, it's, it's grown, had some, well, I don't know, quite a few little pom-poms growing on it. And they start off the size of a, well, a small gobstopper, but they're now growing to the size of over a golf ball. And they're all fluffy, and they're like a rusty kind of red colour. Mm-hmm. Pom-poms. 
pom pom. Yeah, are they, they hard? Look like little tiny pom poms that the children used to play craft with and stick. Are they them. hard or are they yeah, soft? Yeah. They're hard. They're hard, and this morning they're, they're over the size of a golf ball now. Some of them. We just left them on from out of interest. But yeah. It's not, yeah, you know, it's not the whole bush. It's just no. quite a few. And they're it. on the stem or the tip. Cool. Uh, on the stalk, as they as they covered out, they they looked like um, well, you'd expect like they would be a rose hip kind of thing. Yeah, gorgeous. Ever so sweet, they're like little pom poms. <laughs> so are they fluffy on the outside or smooth? Fluffy. Gall. Yeah, it's some sort of gall bug, isn't it? Yeah, it must oh, right. be. Shall I cut I one open then and see what's inside? See, uh, yeah, have a look. I'll guess there's a little grub or a bug or something. It depends on what stage it's at inside, inside there. It. But it's quite unusual. You don't normally see I can't much. think. Right. I can't think what else it will be. No. I'm, I'm not on roses like no. that. On a, I've never had it before. You often see it on it. things like um, oak and so on. You get these sort of balls on the stems and things, and that's that's normally always a, a gall. But yeah, mm. pop them open and have a look inside. You might, have, you might have to come back to us on that yeah, one. Yeah, come back to us and let there. us know, Irene, if you can find a bug in it, yeah? Right, I'll go out and do it. Okay. <laughs> okay, give us a call back. We'd we'll love to hear from you. That's Irene in Colchester with uh, what we think is a cool bug. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, I'll tell you where we're going to. Sally from Elmstead Market. Hello, that, that's morning. Up, that's up near, um, what's it, isn't it? Yeah, Elmstead Market. Yeah. Anyway, yes, <laughs> Philadelphia's we're talking, aren't we? Yes, yes, we are. Yes. And I've got a um, south-facing uh, position for the mm. Philadelphia, and we've had it three years. Yeah. Um, the first year I did cut it back. I thought that was what I should do, but it's never flowered. Depends when you cut it back. When mm. did you cut it back? Uh, the, the first year, when uh, you know, at the end of the season, sort of ah. September, October time. Mm. That, that's your mistake. Ah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Prune, it, <laughs> prune it straight after flowering. So, in fact, you would be pruning them now. Yeah. Right now. Well, it's, well, it's never flowered, you see. So no, because no. you're, cutting, you're cutting the growth. You see, what happened? Right. What happens is <laughs> you cut off the old wood at this time of year. Right. It grows new wood, which matures through the summer and then flowers. Right. So if you're pruning it in the autumn... You're cutting off the growth that would have flowered. Ah, I see. Okay, so what shall I do with it Leave now? Leave it alone. <laughs> if it, if I wouldn't it's, touch it, would if, you? No, I mean, if it's if it's not too big and it's not in the way and, and you can allow it to continue to grow, just leave it alone. But if leave you want to control it, you can prune it, but prune it now and leave yeah. it alone then until it's flowered. Okay, so next <laughs> summer, as soon as it's finished flowering, I can... Get in there, tidy it up, yeah. You yeah. cut, After a few okay. years, you can take you're some of the just old stuff yeah, out. Yeah, you cut the old wood out, and you'll see the new wood is nicely, uh, it's different colour, it comes up nice, nice and, and strong, and, nice and, straight strong and, and straight, and that's what you want to have. And if it gets too okay. tall, you just tip them, but don't prune them in autumn, just tip mm. them. All right? Oh, I see. Okay, well, thanks very much. <laughs> that's all right. It is actually, it's, it's, it's interesting, because so many shrubs, you prune autumn, winter. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got a bunch of them that you don't at all. And, and I just apply a rule of... After flowering. Let it flower, prune it. And, it, and you it, can't go never far off that way, can you? Uh, let's now go to... Sa- it out. Oh, you yeah. nearly dug it out, did you say? Ne- nearly did, yes. Oh, I'm glad you didn't, <laughs> Sally. You just... <laughs> you look after it. <laughs> right, let's go now to Eileen from 
Is it Leavenheath? Yes, that's right. <laughs> now, what are you trying to get rid of? Weeds, is it? Uh, weed, yes. Senecio, is it? The silver weed? Or I'm Santolino? S- oh. Neither, neither of those are normally weeds, but... Aren't they? They're only a weed if they're somewhere you don't want them. Well, it's taken over my front. <laughs> uh, it, it's not Cerestium, is it? I can't find it in the book, to be honest. A little low-ground-covering thing with a small silver leaf as a whitish flower? A little white flower? Uh, no, this has got a yellow flower, and it, it, but if I don't mow it, it'll grow to about a foot. Hmm. Sounds, it's, it's sounds still, like Senecio. It's, uh, it's grey. It's grey. Yeah, grey. You must, you must have some Senecio, the, the bedding one that's self-seeding and that's peculiar, creeping about. Yeah. That's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. Problem, isn't it? Yeah. No. <laughs> So, what, you're just trying to get rid of them? Yeah, it's, I tried a wild garden up the front and it didn't work because my <laughs> soil is very thin yeah. and it's just taken over. Now it's gradually going to all the other lawns. <laughs> it's in the lawn? Is it, and it's actually growing out the lawn? Oh, yes, yes. That's a bizarre one. Well, even when you're mowing it, it still keeps growing? still keeps growing, yes. Shouldn't, should it? No, no. <laughs> I think we might have something else here. Selective <laughs> weed killer. Well, yes, that's probably that's what own. you're going to end up with. It, yeah, yeah. Use, use a weed killer on it and start all over again. Well, no, 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 no. no, no, no. If you use a lawn weed killer, so it would be specifically a weed killer that you can use on lawns. Oh, right. It will only kill broadleafed weed, so anything that's got a a normal leaf shape, not grass. So you'll be able to go across the lawn and kill, hopefully that. And it won't kill the grass. Oh, right. Because this really hasn't got what I call a leaf. You know, it's like the Santolina with all little... Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't explain it. <laughs> yes, well, it's almost... Apart from the silver bit, it almost sounds a bit like mare's tail, but um, I'm sure it's probably not that if it's silver. Because mm-hmm. Santolina is a very sort of short leaf, doesn't it? A little stubby, short leaf. That's right. Um, yeah. But try the weed killer. I think, you know, generally it, we, lawn weed killers will call it anything other than grass. Well, grass. So okay, it's probably okay. your best bet when it's in the lawn. Lovely. Thank you okay. very much. Right. Uh, that's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Uh, bye there. That's Eileen from Leavenheath. And we now go to Barry in Wickford about your pear tree, Barry. That's right. Good morning to you. Um, I've got two small pear trees which were originally for patio. I mean, I put them in the actual garden several years ago. Um, they've been coming along nicely with pears. Um, suddenly this year, one of them, it came out with leaf and buds, but then died. Well, I say died, they just nothing happened. So mm. all I've got is a pear tree with nothing on it. I've been seeing a little bit of that on some of the, you know, the trees in pots. They come into leaf, they look like they're doing good, and then the whole section, half of it, it dies. Um, and it must be a root problem then. Well, it's, it well, seems I, to be actually, the top. it's only a section. Yeah, it's a top section. And it, no, this, this, in actual fact, is a whole tree. Right. That could, that's, that's a root problem. That's a root problem. It could be that if they're patio tr- uh, pears, they're often um, grafted and they're grafted onto a rootstock. Um, and sometimes, you know, two, three years down that line, the graft itself can fail. Right. So the, the the joint sort of seals up effectively. Especially if you planted it maybe too a bit too deep. Yeah. Is yeah, it, is it? You've been going very well for the last what ten years at least. Oh, ten yeah. years. Oh, yeah. that's oh, yeah. No, shouldn't years have happened then. It stopped. 
Well, I'll, I'll call it sudden pear death. Is <laughs> <laughs> it worth scraping the bark, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, scrape scrape the bark and see if you've got any green under it. Right. Okay. Um, but you know, it may just be. It could be a graft failure. It could be something that's affected the root. But for the whole tree to go. Um, it's normally from the bottom up when it when that happens. Yeah, I mean I've tried bending the um, the branches and they don't snap. That right. means there might be still life in it. Yeah, yeah. Have a oh, scratch what? the bark and see, see what's there. If, yeah, it, okay. if it's green, I'd I wouldn't almost, give up. No, no. It's whether I, I'd almost be tempted to give it a prune up, trying to give it a kick, but yeah. Mm, you know, prune it back a bit and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, I yep. won't dig it out yet. <laughs> no, no. If it's still bendy and green, then there's something left in it. Okay. Can you let us know how you get on, Barry? Because we'd be interested to know as well. We'll be looking at your gardening questions in a little while, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening podcast, we've got some tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. Now, Dave, what you got for us? Well, summer's here, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, for we how don't long? know for how long, Not do we long. ever? No. But, um, We've had lots of rain, it's been nice and warm, and the weeds are growing really well, <laughs> as well as the That's plants. That's true. So, good, good job is to get out there with a hoe. Not everyone really knows what a hoe is, I think, nowadays, but just get out there with a hoe, just a normal Dutch hoe, and just cut the weeds just under the surface of the and that, soil. The Dutch hoe is a flat-ish blade. Yes. That yeah. just points forward. It Rather does not than the, hook backwards. Not hook backwards, the swan neck. That's fine if you're planting seeds, but not so good for, for weeds. And you're just running it under the surface. Don't dig down deep. You're not trying to turn the soil over with it. And just sever them at the top and leave them. Because with the weather as it is and the sun out, they will soon dry and, and go. Um, the other benefit of that, obviously, if you can maintain a tilth on the soil... It acts as a shade layer, and then when the sun hits the soil, it's not cooking it below, and you don't lose the water quite so quickly from the beds and boulders. So, in fact, you're adding... It's like a mulch. Yes. So the same principle as a mulch, really, it is. It's a tilth mulch, and as long as you keep on top of it, it works well. And it's interesting, because people often put mulches on at the wrong time. I mean, we're not talking about that, because you're mm. actually creating it with the soil the that's soil there. Itself. But don't you find that people come in and they say... I mean, they must come into your garden centre yeah. and say, oh, I want to mulch my garden midsummer. <laughs> they don't get it, do they? No. That actually, you hold the heat in... That's and it. you won't hold the moisture. You want to keep the. You could do it early when the moisture's in the ground and the ground is cool. But if you don't mulch and you want to just preserve the water loss, then just keep that hoe going around and keep a tilt on the move. Thanks very much, Dave. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Uh, we go to Pauline in Brightling. See, Pauline. Hello there. Hi. Hello. Uh, um, it's a gardenia I've yeah. got in a pot. Uh-huh. And um, um, it's uh, getting very bushy, and I think it needs repotting, but I don't know what size pot. It's got all the leaves, all nice new leaves and uh, the flowers, and um, but I, I think it's got straw or something in the centre, a bit like some begonias that you have in pots that you buy they have wire well this looks mm. like a lot of straw in the middle so well, sometimes they put like a a, a coir mat on the top of the compost just to keep it weed oh. free and keep the the you know the salt water is, in there is it an indoor gardenia yes yes right okay just a size bigger really yeah it? yeah just go up a bit would you go there oh. acacious because the outdoor ones the indoor uh, ones like ericaceous don't they yeah or? well the outdoor ones you uh, you oh. would so it's i would 
Can you buy small bags? Yeah, you can get a little. Small bag oh. of ericaceous compost and plant it in a size bigger, so like oh. an inch bigger all the way round. Oh, because this is only about a size five inch pot that it's in, so. Yeah, so you probably want to go at least to a seven inch pot. Seven. Yeah. Seven inch, right. Yeah. Okay, then. Thank all you right. very much for your time, both That's of you. all right, Thank Pauline. You. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Irene in Colchester, we've got a line free at the moment. Not from Eileen, knows she's online, but 0800 111. <laughs> 4041, you can text me, I'll get through some of those texts in a minute, 81333, put Essex on the front, but there's a line free on 0800 111 4041, uh, Dave Gill and I are here on BBC Essex with the gardening phone in answering your questions. Irene in Colchester, hello Irene. Hello, I've, about the rose gall, I've cut it open, or my husband has, and it's full of little white grubs, about a quarter of an inch long. Yeah. That's it, gall. Yeah, so I just yeah. pick them off, not spray or anything? No, just pick them off. Pick them off and throw them away. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> they are. Thank you, Irene. Isn't At least it, we know. It's, it's fascinating <laughs> to know, isn't it? Um, got a, a question here, which is quite an interesting... Well, it's an interesting one. This is Peter in Stanway. sent us an email, actually. Uh, don't forget, just a reminder, 0800 4041. That's the number to call. But he says he's um, he strims to cut the long grass at the edges of his lawn... Why don't you cut with your mower all the way at the edge of the lawn and then use edging shears? But anyway, the cuttings land on the soil. Will it take root and grow? Isn't no. it? But it could be spreading seed yeah, at this a, time of year, couldn't depends it? Depends how regularly you cut the grass. So if you've got seed seed heads on there and you leave them, yeah, you might get some grass grow. But if you're doing it regularly, it's just green blades. I'll snip round and grab what I can, but often leave a little bit behind and it soon withers up and disappears. And also, Peter, if you work round your garden in the opposite direction, remember that the head on your strimmer is going to the right. So, in fact, if you walk along uh, to the right, if you walk to the right <laughs> in a line, you'll find that it will spit more grass onto your lawn than it will onto the bed. Whereas if you do it the other way, it'll go all onto the bed. So, you, you know, strimming is a skill that not many people, in all honesty, have got. You've done a Would fair you agree? bit of that in your time. Oh, I have done a fair <laughs> bit of that. But do you not agree? It's actually something that people ignore. It, it, it's a skill yeah. in its own right, isn't it? And strimming so close that you end up at it. I chopping used, the ground up. Well, I used to do that. I was terrible. I used to burn the grass out completely and you end up with bare soil. Yeah. And you think... But I'm getting a little bit. Gives you a backache as well, doesn't it? With that yeah. constant hold and swing. Hold and swing. That's it. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, just another quick one. Uh, how to treat? Yeah. What was this one? Hi, Ken and Dave. I want to plant a sorbus tree. I thought this would be ideal for you because you must sell sorbus tree. <laughs> we do. Any suggestions on which variety? <laughs> now it does depend on what you want, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I've got. Favourites. What are your um, favourite? My favourite, which people don't always think of as sorbus, is Area Lutescens, which is a white beam. I, it's funny, actually, because white beam's one of my favourites, and it's purely because I like the leaf. The goblet leaf shape when it first comes, yeah. with that little rosette of flowers in the yep. tips. Looks stunning, when it, especially in spring, and it stands up. And it's just a bit different. It's a nice, compact easy maintained small tree if you want to go down the mountain ash proper sorbus some of those are smaller aren't yeah, they yeah I like, uh, there's one there's some yellows or, some there's an whites. oriental it's got a massive leaf um, on it and it's fantastic autumn colour 
Um, but there is lots of them. Vilmer in the eye with the, oh, yeah. the, the white and pink, the sort of purpley Pinky pink white, yeah. berries on there. It's lovely, and it's got a nice fine leaf. Um, Joseph's Rock's always the favourite, favorite, but it's quite a big tree, so... Be careful what you buy. And I think that's important that whoever... I don't know who it is that sent that one, but it's important that you do ask the question yeah. or read the labels carefully because some sorbets are very large trees. Yes, yeah, so you've got to be able to handle them. I mean, we've got a couple of the um, uh, R.A. Lutessens in pots out the front and they've been, been brilliant in there for about seven or eight years. Um, so it's really depends what you want, but find yourself some advice and a decent range of stock. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, now go to where are we going? Mary in Basildon. Hello, Mary. Hello, um, Ken. Um, I'm just going to turn Alexa off. Alexa, stop. Um, sorry. <laughs> let's just turn everyone Alexa, else's stop. off that's listening. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, my question is I bought um, a Three Sisters hydrangea um, for. Um, because there were three or four, three sisters, mm. and um, it was lovely the first year, flowered with all different colour flowers. Now this year it's coming out again. That's fine, but just one colour flower. Is there any way to maintain that three different colours? Which, oh, which you know, that's tricky. Isn't it? it is. A, I I think you'd have to get it certain conditions exactly right. Um, hydrangeas react to, to pH in in the soil. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the grower that, that's an expert at doing what they're doing are do, doing this very, very well to to maintain the colour variance because, as, as we know, you know, if you put a, a pink hydrangea into acid soil, it goes blue. A blue one yeah. will go pink in alkaline okay. soil. So trying to maintain three colours <laughs> on one plant, you'd have to get that fine balance I it's like a lot that. of it's yeah. like a lot of I'm going to call it a novelty plant because yeah. it is it's a novelty plant, isn't it? And it's mm. sometimes very difficult to continue the novelty yes. that has been created. Okay. Mm. okay, I did I did think that, but I just thought I'd ask you. <laughs> I think if I was, what what's what colour are they coming out? A lovely pale lilac colour at the yeah. moment. Yeah, so, I mean it's pastel. It's lovely. But. Yeah, but they're all the same. So. It sounds like they've somehow managed to just treat elements of it if you'd had the blue, pink, you know, the different yeah. colours yeah. within it. So the only thing you could do is play with it, really. Just use different yeah. strengths or different amounts of, of colourant and seeing if, right. if that's enough to tip the balance. But generally, you know, now they're flowering and the colours are set, you won't really change it much this no. year. I do think that. <laughs> but Mary, if you're successful yeah. with some potion that you do, you try it on. Let <laughs> us know, because then we'll pass it on. Yeah, I will do. Okay, thank you very much. Right. Thank you. That's Mary, and from Mary we go to Margaret, and she's in Ipswich. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Ken. Um, I bought a lemon plant three days ago. It, it looks like a house plant because it's in a s- smallish pot, you know. Yep. Um, but it hasn't got any lemons or flowers on. I just wondered, uh, to get the lemons, when it flowers, have you got to pollinate the flowers by hand yourself if you keep it indoors? No, they normally sort themselves out. Um, oh, and can I keep it indoors, or has it got to go outside? I wouldn't. I mean, they love being outdoors outside for the this summer. time of year. Yeah, if you can get them out yeah. for the summer, um, they really do enjoy it, and you get some good growth. The only downside of that sometimes when you take them from outdoors and bring them in, 
then they can shed a few leaves because of the change of situation. But, um, but they if you don't bring, like frost. They, they will take a tiny bit of frost. I mean, Minus one out, and two, though, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, for, from the point of view, is how do you know it's only going to be that <laughs> when it's, yeah. it's frosty? And so. also, I bought for two of my friends orange plants with real oranges on that you can eat. Yeah. Uh, they're also in smallish pot, plant yep. pots. Mm-hmm. Um, do they need aricaceous compost? Does the lemon need aricaceous you compost? Can get, you can get what's just citrus compost. So it's citrus called citrus compost. compost for citrus trees. The orange, lemons, kumquats, all of those. Um, but again, oh. if you can get them outside, let them enjoy the sun and the summer. Not in, you, not in too bright a sun. No, but when you take them indoors, no. ideally you want a cold conservatory. You don't want to put them on top of a radiator or somewhere oh, too I have, shady. I have got a conservatory, yeah. So when, when they're going in, pop them in there rather than sort of somewhere nice and bright and a nice constant cooler temperature. And oh, do I feed them on citrus plant feed? Yes, yep. and again, yep. you can get summer and winter, winter. or just general. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. That's a ple- pleasure, and let's hope you get some lemons for your gin and tonics, because mm. that's what it's all about, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, if you can't have a gin and tonic off your own lemon tree, it's not worth growing them, is it? No. Um, now, what are you growing, Alan, in Chelmsford? <laughs> my, well, my lilac tree, Yep. Um, which has got, a, from the trunks, mm-hmm. it's got about three or four main boughs coming out. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the year, it, it blossomed beautiful. But now, on one of the boughs, just one, all the leaves have withered and died just mm. off one of the boughs. It sounds and like quite an old understand what's happened. Is it old? Well, yeah, yeah. And, like, the, the trunk is very, you know, flaky, the bark flakes yeah. off. Yeah, it's just old. Oh. <laughs> what um, would you do, just cut just that, cut that limb piece off, off completely? Yeah. yeah. Well, cut that bough right off. Yep. Yeah. Oh, right. They do that lilac, so it gets us to a size and they just sort of, bits and chunks of pieces just start sort of dying off um, on them. And anyway, you can sort of give it a, 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 take those off and maybe give the rest a bit of a prune up to uh, try and get some new growth on it. But, I mean, it's just one of those things. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the tips that Dave has for us. Well, on the allotments, I've been busy on my dahlias and all around I'm seeing potatoes coming out the ground. So, really, those first earlies should be ready now. Don't Um, taste. Oh, I've had a few bags. Luckily, I get donated and buy buy others, and they get a few bunches of flowers later. So, they are great. But if you want to start getting them out now um, before those new potatoes become big potatoes, um, and it's a good time then to replant. So, you've got salad crops you can always go in with. But things like um, cabbages, collies, and brussels that you want in the autumn really need to be going in. Soon. So you can take the first earlies out, leave the mains in, and then re- reuse that ground for the, the autumn crops or some quick turnaround crops like you can still do beetroot, radishes, lettuce, most of those, in, and carrots. So just recycle the ground but don't hold on to the end. Now, what you said about digging the potatoes, just out of interest, then, it doesn't matter if even if they're a main crop, does it really? No, because if you, you dig a few ones. off the top, they're, enjoy- they're much more, they're tender basically, yes. isn't it? It's like yeah. having a tender piece of. 
piece of fruit, isn't it, yeah. really? Yeah, it just hasn't got the size to it. But, yeah, just have a few out. Start eating them, because otherwise you get to the point and go, oh, they're ready, and it's feast and, fa- feast and famine, isn't it? You get hundreds of potatoes and potato soup and potato everything for, for weeks. Anything else we should be getting on with? Well, the sun is shining. It is. And we see a lot of watering going on, and sometimes it's bad watering. Um, splash and dash. Splash. I like that. Splash, splash and dash. Splash That's and a good dash. one. Yeah. yeah. Run around the garden in five minutes with a hose isn't watering the garden. A lot of plants don't need it. So if you've got established trees and established shrubs that have been in the ground for a few years, their roots are down there and they're, they're sorting themselves out. It's anything that's been planted in the last 12 months, especially perennials and shrubs and stuff that you're planting or growing on this year. So when you water, water well. So make sure that you give enough water to soak through the ground to get lower in the ground so when the sun comes up and dries the surface, there's still some water available. Because you see people standing there with their their hose sprayer, you know yeah. what I mean, the sprayer. And I, I don't know whether... They used to have hose licence that were different for different things. Do hose licences still exist? I mean... I think you have to get... Yes, they do, yeah. Because you've got exist. the metres. So yeah. you, metres, you can do what you like almost because yeah. you're paying for it. But your standard water licence doesn't cover sprinklers. Right, OK. So it's got to be a handheld... But then you see them standing with a handheld, whereas actually, if you took the handheld off yeah. and just let it dribble and you put it at the base of a big shrub, yeah. you would actually do more good, wouldn't That's you? It. I quite often water while I work. So you go through the border, weeding, deadheading. What, just move and the, just the hose along? the hose coming along with me, watering the plants that I want to water as I go along. Then it gives them a real good drink. They need you about half an hour of dribble, don't they? Yeah, but if you run it a bit fast, so... It's it's in there, and the, if the ground's in good condition, it moves through. And just make sure you're getting plenty. And you don't need to go back there for an, another week, at least. So what is wrong with Splash and Dash? Does it drag <laughs> the, the, the roots rise it, or something? Splash and Dash, really, what you put on in the morning will be gone by lunchtime because the sun will just evaporate it out. And if it gets a little bit deeper, the roots will come up for the moisture rather than down, which makes them more susceptible to, to heat and drought. And you can see that sometimes in container-grown plants, can't you, yes. where the roots are all on the top, and that's because people are just Splashing pouring a little bit of water on the top. And there's no roots in the bottom of the pot. Whereas actually you need to soak the... the so you're better off it sitting in water, yeah. aren't you, really? Well, even putting saucers at the bottoms of the pots this time of year with a bit of water in there, so as it does dry, it will soak it up from the bottom rather than keep adding it at the top. Now, you mentioned vegetables. I mean, how do you water vegetables then? Do you have to dribble your water along well, a row? Or? I think if you're doing things like cabbages or mm. planting stems, plant them in a trench, a low trench, so that you can actually then just run the water into the trench so it holds at the roots and will then soak down. When I plant my dahlias, I plant them in a, a well. Yep. So I can put half a gallon of water on that one plant and it will soak through and go nice and deep into the roots not run off down the beds where it's not needed. There you are. There's some good tips from Dave Gillam this week. So go on, get out in the garden. Don't forget, you can get your event or open garden on the podcast here at BBC Essex by just sending them along to me, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or send them by post to uh, Ken Crowther, PO Box 765 Chumpsford CM2 9XB. So what have we got this week? Well, I tell you what, we've got some open gardens, care of the National Garden Scheme 
Um, 16 made away, and this is Chingford, so it's, uh, it's a bit London, but we'll let you off. It's an evening opening, which is a bit different. It goes from 4 o'clock till 9 o'clock on Saturday the 6th of July, £7.50. Entrance fee includes a glass of wine and a selection of nibbles. Can't be bad. Three distinct areas in this garden, wall, patio, raised beds, ferns, climbers, hostas and planters. So I'll tell you what, it's also got a kitchen garden with raised beds of fruit trees and bushes. Well worth a look. So they are. The code for that is E47JL, 16 made away. Um, also on Sunday the 7th, we have Hill Drop at Langdon Road, Horndon on the Hill. I'll give you the code a bit later on. Um, five pound admission, two o'clock till seven o'clock on that Sunday. Light refreshments, tea and coffee, and even pims and vegetarian savoury snacks. I always go on about the food and drink, and I should be going on about the garden, shouldn't I? Anyway, these parts of the garden are now the most important diverse habitats. You've got six green roofs, three ponds, brownfield habitat, which gives ideas of difficult areas. Um, and a green roof on a shipping container, which is a garden room. Tell you what, this sounds a bit different. Go along, let me know what you think of that one. The postcode for this one is SS178QB. Also on Sunday, uh, Fuddler's Hall, Fox Road in Mashbury. That's near Chelmsford. Um, it's a sort of romantic two-acre garden surrounding a 17th-century farmhouse. This is open from 2 till 5 on Sunday the 7th. Admission £5. Children are free. It's got lovely old walls dividing uh, the garden into many different sort of rooms. It's got rambling old-fashioned roses. U-Hedge kitchen garden. Loads of seats. So if you get tired and it's a bit warm, you can rest yourself. CM1 for TJ. Washland's also open on that day down in Sybil Headingham. Um, two till five, homemade teas, five pound again. Charming one acre garden surrounding former farmhouse again. Views across rolling countryside. Former house, uh, horse pond, not a house pond, features a beach with a landing stage, rose gardens, woodland borders, well worth a look, alpines and grasses, and plenty of alliums still showing their heads. CO93LE. Now let's look at an event in Frinton. Yeah, get along to Frinton. They have their open gardens. They'll all be signposts. This is on Saturday the 6th. I'm going back from the Sunday to the 6th. Um, so this is well worth going. Open from 10 till 4, children are free, adults £5. Tickets in advance from Ian Smith Newsagent in the Connaught uh, Avenue and the RNLI shop in Walton on the Nays. The reason it's for the, the they're on sale at the RNLI shop is because it's in aid of the RNLI, a well worth uh, supporting the RNLI. Very under-supported sometimes, I think they are. So that's the Open Gardens in Frinton, Saturday the 6th of July. Um, another one on the Sunday, just looking under the NGS, is Chippins in Bradfield, um, 11 till 4.30. Homemade teas, delicious homemade cakes, artist garden. Paradise packed with interest. Iris, hostas, alliums. There's a little stream and a wildlife pond. CO11 to UZ. If you want your event mentioned here on the BBC Essex Gardening podcast, just send them along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk and we'll get it on. Let's now go to Marion in Tiptree. Marion, what have you got oh, for us? Hello. 
Oh, it's all right. My husband just turned up. Um, <laughs> I, we we planted a blood good Acer mm-hmm. last November in a spot where we had an, a very old flowering cherry tree which was taken out mm-hmm. and um, the uh, the acer has obviously died it seemed to die about what eight weeks ago it seemed to be doing fine then it suddenly the leaves any leaves that were on it started to curl up and and it's it's obviously dead now i'm wondering if um there's a, whether you can give a reason why it died well <laughs> there's going to be a few questions um, yeah it was it if you had a cherry in, was it a sunny spot? Well, this is the cherry tree, which we took out. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, it's a yes. spot sunny? Yes, yes. That's the problem. Yeah. Two. That's the problem. It, it probably, although you planted it in the autumn, yes, it would have got some roots out as well, but aces do not like to be in full sun. I've seen people get away with it, but they yeah. often get to scorched tips and things. Um but it they didn't like even get to that uh, with where the tips were scorched. Did it come into leaf? Uh, it was already in in leaf, which the, those leaves seemed to stay on throughout the winter. But then, about eight weeks or or more ago, the leaves started to sort of just go brittle. And, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't um, give up on it. I mean, I I had it with an apple tree. I pruned it very very late, and it came into growth late. Had to be done. And it nigh on kept those leaves right through to the spring, then lost them, and then come into growth, but later than it should. So hang on in, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying that, that Nasa kept its leaves through the winter, which it wouldn't normally do. So it might no. be confused. Now, the trouble is, but in the end, it's not in the best position because you no. don't want full sun. You want dappled shade. Well, well um, I was going to say, I've, I've checked. And it's in the shade uh, in full sun at uh, this time of the year, up to 10, about 10.30 a.m. in the morning, mm. and from about 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon. Oh, so it's getting a mix. It's, it's getting a mix. Probably going to be that morning, morning sun sun's will, hot. will hot. But it sounds like it's a very confused plant, because, you know, if it's gone in in the autumn, it's kept its leaves through the winter, because normally they'd, they'd turn a lighter red, because it's a very deep red, isn't it, blood red? Yeah. yeah. It'll yeah. turn a lighter red, fall off, be bare, come the spring, burst into life, and away you go. Well, scrape, if it hasn't done that... Scrape the bark and yeah. see if it's green or it's not brown underneath. And if it is not brown underneath and it's got a bit of life in it, just leave and sit tight. See what happens. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Don't give up on it, Marion. Um, sh- shall I um, add anything to the soil around it? Not, not until you see there's something happening. Because <laughs> if not, you're feeding nothing. And that's the thing. You've got to have leaf to feed. Uh now we go to John in Brentwood. Hello, John. Morning, all. Morning. Uh, I see you're just saying about. Mine was very, just before my question, mine was very late in, in leafing, and if you don't keep them really well watered, mm. uh, that might delay it a bit. Yeah. It just seems strange it was holding on to it. So holding on so to the leaves so long in the Mine loses mm. it. Right. Mm. My neighbour's got some ornamental trees, I don't know what they are, ones are like a coppery coloured leaf, biggish leaf, and um, I noticed that the lower branches now are five or six feet into other people's gardens. Yep. Uh, ideally, I suppose it should be taken back to the trunk, but it, it, will it do any damage taking them back to the fence line? It's a, it's a job to know without knowing exactly what it is, but generally not. Um, 
I, I'd, if, it, if, if it's got a big big red leaf, it could be uh, Acer. <laughs> or a flowering cherry, the purple or leaf Pisardii. cherries. Pisardii. There's a yeah, few. they're quite big. Yeah. You wouldn't do a lot of harm this you time. You wouldn't do you? a lot of harm doing it in the summer Ugly. because the stone fruits, because even the, the ornamental forms of stone fruits, you would still try to prune in the summer rather than winter. Um, and if it's not, then you're not really losing out. So you can take it back to your fence line, um, but you'd probably have to ask for permission if you're going to take it back to a trunk and that trunk's not in your garden. No, I don't. I don't have any problem there. Yeah. No, I do some of the gardening. Well, I would anyway. ideally ask them and cut them back to the trunk, trunk. because it looks yep. neater and it's better for the tree. And they'll well, seal. Why don't right? make it lopsided, though, the tree? Well, well take them off the other side <laughs> <as well. laughs> If you can, balance it up. But um, it sounds like a youngish tree that's growing and you just need to, what I said, call lift the crown. You know, remove some of the lower branches, which will then just lift the main head up above its height, you know, and, and let it be a tree. Yeah. Okay. okay, thanks a lot. We can squeeze another couple of calls in on 0800 111 If you want to give us a call, we can do that for you. And now let's go to Cohen in Colchester. Hi, Cohen. Still my tomatoes, Ken. Yep. What How up? are you? Sorry. We're all right. How yeah, are they getting on? Not very well, actually. I was thinking, what is the uh, possibility if I put tomato, new tomato plant out today, what's the likelihood that I'm going to have tomatoes? Very, you still get tomatoes from tomato plants now, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, if you're sowing now, you'd want to... Are you sowing or buying the plants? Well, no, the plants I bought just flowering, but they're not producing tomatoes. As I told you a couple of weeks mm. ago, yeah, I've been out there feeding them, watering them, nothing. It's still a bit early. Mine, 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 mine flowered quite, you know, weeks and weeks ago, and there's only just now tomatoes coming on those flowers. Because it's been cold, hasn't yeah, it? Even, and they're so. in the greenhouse, you know, and I've only just started getting set tomatoes, you know, tomatoes setting on them flowers. So if they're flowering, I, I'd, I'd hold with it. So I think, would I. I think the weather on the change... Keep the water, keep them fed, and I think you'll find you might get some. But you know, if they're growing and they're flowering, there isn't re- there's not really much more they can do. It's only going to be, you know, a bit of warmth and a bit of sunshine that will will set them fruits. All right, Cody. Okay. Certainly wouldn't okay. start again. Thank you, sir. Okay, give it give it a go and let us know how you're getting on with that one. And we go to down the road to Rittle to Nigel. Morning. Hi. Uh, hi, yeah, I just want some advice. I have a Victoria plum tree. Um, yeah. I pruned it probably um, a couple of years ago. It was probably late autumn in the winter. And um, it, prior to doing that, it used to have, you know, abundance of plums. But the last season and this season, it's really extended the growth. It has gone you know, quite high, up to anything about 10 foot high. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering if that was the reason and when a better time is to prune to try and obviously get more um, plums back on there, really. Um yeah, winter pruning fruit, uh, pruning plums is the wrong time to prune them. Um, so you, it's really now, isn't it? It's now. Any time now or after fruiting. Have you got any fruit on it at all? Um, not many, really, 
can. I mean, I can look probably about a dozen or so where it used to be abundance. It's yeah. been, you know, lots of the new growth has extended, you know, really it's high up now without any like... roots growing on there. Yeah, yeah it sounds like it's just The a... trouble is, the more vigorous you are with your pruning, the more, <laughs> the more vigorous growth. the plant will grow. <laughs> right. You need to shorten all the new stuff that's come. You just need to shorten to about, you know, two thirds of it off and yeah. leave a third. Because that way the plant won't try and induce some massive growth. Well, I call water shoots. Water and shoots such. and stuff. So yeah, tip them out. You know, take them down half or more. Half to two thirds. Um, and then you you should start getting back into the pattern. But it's now normally you prune now. plums. Any time from now. Fruits. And if you have loads of fruit on it, a lot of people leave them till after fruiting and do it in August. Yeah. Yep, okay, but any time now or August would be it, the ideal time to do it. Yeah. Really summertime, summertime for stoned fruits. Okay, perfect, lovely. Thank you very much then. That's a pleasure. Um, hi, Ken, can you tell me how to treat herbs? Um, don't always pick them. Do you cut them down? If not, they go woody. Yes, you do. Yeah. Most herbs, you just chop them off with scissors or secateurs, yeah, depending on what they are. If you're are. not going to be using them, um, I mean, the only one there sometimes is um, chives. <laughs> you just want to keep on chopping the chive to the ground and not use it. Um, but if you're not going to use them, but you're going to later, just cut them off. And you can always tie them in a little bunch, hang them up in the mm. kitchen and dry them. Um, but yeah, if you don't keep pruning them or using them, you will get woody plants. Okay, Harry from Harold Hill. What you got, Harry? I got a cheese plant, Ken. My daughter gave me this a cutting about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I've got nine leaves on it, and it's three feet by three feet high. <laughs> That's a cheese plant. Goes, what do I do with it? <laughs> Enjoy it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's taking up too much room. Yeah, you can. You can chop a real root, can you? Yeah. You can put a bit of round them, reroot them, or you can chop them down a bit and they branch out. Um, mm. But yeah, they are quite quick growing and they do take up a bit of room. You can spend yeah. the summer out on the patio if you like. Oh right, okay. Not not in direct. If you put it in direct sun, it will burn the leaf yeah. a bit. But if you oh. put them put them in semi shade, that'll work. Uh, you that. can, yeah. and if you do cut them back, just treat with a bit of um, charcoal, mm-hmm. and that will stop them bleeding too mm. much. Ah, okay, okay. All right. all right. We'll try it out. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. Uh, how do I get rid of a large blackberry bush at the end of the season, please, Louise? <sighs> Dig it out, preferably. <laughs> don't have to wait till the end of the season, do you? <laughs> well, I don't know why she... Perhaps she wants the blackberries. Wants the blackberries uh, Mark in Basden's asking about blackfly. Uh, you also sent me a text, didn't you? How do you get rid of blackfly on vegetables? I imagine that's you, Mark, is it? Yes, it is. I've got um, <laughs> our courgettes to cut in blackfly. What yeah. can you? What can you? What is safe to spray on vegetables? You're a man from a garden yeah. centre. Depends on the harvesting, and now courgettes should be harvesting soon. So there is a couple out there that are pure vegetable contact killers, and you can spray one day and use you know, the veg the next. Um, so that's a um, bug clear veg. Oh, spray. there's a bug clear vegetable spray. Yeah, so it's like because you wouldn't use day. ultra, would you? No, no. So it's a one day. It's a contact kill, and you can use the veg the next day. Right, so that'd be okay. Like once they've, yeah, I can you they can eat them after, can't I? That's yes. all I was afraid yeah. of. Don't like, use anything that is systemic. Right, okay. I got yeah. It's called Blood Clear Ultra. Is that right? No. Well, there's a Blood Clear Ultra. Yeah. And it's in a red bottle. Yep. That can be used on fruit and veg, but you you'll you read on wait. the back. You have to wait. I think it's six seven days before you can eat. There's right. the same in a green bottle. Yep. And that's spray and eat next day. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to any of the questions, 
You can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11 o'clock.